Listener supported. WNYC Studios. You're about to hear a recording of a live radio program. It's called Indivisible. You can listen live and call in four nights a week on public radio stations around the country or at indivisibleradio.com. You can also join the conversation with hashtag indivisibleradio or leave us a voicemail at indivisibleradio.com. Subscribe now so you don't miss a thing. Okay, here's the show. This is Indivisible, public radio's national conversation about America in a time of change. And good evening, everyone. I'm Brian Lehrer from WNYC in New York, your Tuesday host on Indivisible, our national call-in show for the first 100 days of the Trump administration. It is day 75. Indivisible is three-quarters complete. On the Tuesday Indivisible, we've been doing two things, creating a space where Trump supporters and Trump detractors can actually listen to each other, get out of our political bubbles, and monitoring how the Trump administration is trying to change American norms for better or for worse. And let's dive right in to some Obama-era norms that have been challenged in just the last week since we last spoke. And these are mostly very divisive things that have many detractors. Here we go. He withdrew Obama-era protections for women in the workplace. He signed a bill repealing Internet privacy protections. He relaxed the rules of combat engagement that were intended to protect civilians in Somalia, according to a report in the New York Times. He sent his 36-year-old businessman son-in-law, Jared Kushner, not the Secretary of State, to Iraq for a meeting on how to fight ISIS. He rolled back Obama-era clean air standards. Attorney General Sessions announced a review of all 19 local police department behavior agreements being supervised by the Civil Rights Division. I think 19 is the right number. Trump urged the Senate to end the filibuster, For Supreme Court nominees, that would change a norm. He's trying to revive the health reform negotiations by offering the Freedom Caucus a rollback on Obamacare's pre-existing conditions rule. If it goes through, insurers could charge patients more based on your individual pre-existing conditions, not just your age, like Obamacare does. He lifted human rights conditions for selling weapons to the Persian Gulf nation of Bahrain. And he met with Egypt's military dictator, President al-Sisi, at the White House yesterday and lavished him with praise. We agree on so many things. I just want to let everybody know, in case there was any doubt, that we are very much behind President al-Sisi. He's done a fantastic job in a very difficult situation. We are very much behind Egypt and the people of Egypt. So that's how Trump spoke about al-Sisi. A few weeks ago, he wouldn't even shake Angela Merkel, Angela Merkel's hand, challenging American norms. And I'm sure I'm leaving things out, but this is why we don't obsess on Russia on this show. The Russia investigations are important, to be sure. But meanwhile, it's full speed ahead in the White House for transforming America. And the media has to talk about all these things so you, the public, can decide what you think about them. So... We will take calls from Trump supporters first tonight, Trump detractors second tonight. If you voted for Donald Trump, how much is the new president heading in the right direction? Or how much do you have buyer's remorse? Call us at 844-745-TALK. What's the best thing that he's done so far and what's the worst in your opinion? Don't talk about the Democrats. Don't talk about the media. Don't talk about Lindsey Graham or whatever else. Just talk about Trump. 
if you voted for Trump. We'll take the rest of you in a little while. But right now, if you voted for Donald Trump, how much is he steering the country in the right direction? Or how much do you have buyer's remorse? 844-745-TALK, 844-745-8255, Trump voters, 844-745-TALK. And while your calls are coming in, we have two great guests tonight, Salem Radio Network talk show host Hugh Hewitt. His morning show is on 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. It's his bedtime right after this. And he is the author of The Fourth Way, the conservative playbook for a lasting GOP majority, just published this year by Simon & Schuster. And MTV News senior political reporter Anna Marie Cox. She also hosts a podcast called With Friends Like These, and she is a New York Times Magazine contributor. One of our guests is more liberal. One is more conservative. (laughs) We'll let you figure out who's who. But I will say that both of our guests have been known to think non-obvious, non-party line thoughts. So good evening, you. Good evening, Anna Marie. Thank you so much for coming on Indivisible. Thank you, Brian. Yes, and thank you very much. And, Hugh, I'm going to give you the courtesy of the first response, since you're the person who voted for Trump. Uh, I'll get to some specific items on the list, but in general, how much, in your opinion, is this pretty breathtaking pace of change, even in the last week, making America great again? Uh, I wouldn't phrase it that way. It's making America certainly active again. We are not a very passive place right now. People are... Pent up, and no one divides a room like Donald Trump. I used to say that about Sarah Palin. Anna Maria, by, by the way, and I are friends, and she profiled me for the New York Times, so we may not spark it up as much as we ordinarily would if we were just uh, uh, tweeting at each other. Uh, but I will say this. I'm very, very happy with Neil Gorsuch. Uh, it's a home run. It's a Grand Slam home run, and he will be confirmed at the end of the week. That he is forcing the end of the extra-constitutional judicial filibuster is another plus in my originalist playbook. I'm happy about that. The third best thing he's done is nominated to the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, a multi-par. Uh, and so I'm, I'm happy with the judges. What am I most unhappy about is attacking the judiciary by nailing a judge as a so-called judge, is accusing journalists of being anti-American, enemies of the state, using deeply shaded language, which is uh, uh, deplorable. And uh, I think I am now going to be in opposition to his non-reaction to the Syrian war crime that was revealed today. I, I think this, is, this may be a turning point for me uh, into another area of criticism of Trump, because not to respond to the, to the slaughter of hundreds with chemical weapons would be uh, every bit as bad as when President Obama failed to respond to it. And from Trump's perspective, it's not because he doesn't condemn uh, Assad, like Obama did, but he just didn't want to get embroiled in a war. It's 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 that Trump is turning away from it as, hey, none of our business, really. Our real problem is ISIS, so I don't care. I, I think that's the explanation, but you can have your cake and eat it here, too. You can kill ISIS, but you could level every one of Assad's palaces tonight. You could send a message that if you use chemical weapons or weapons of mass destruction, we will make you pay personally, and you can avoid the Russians, and you can let them know it's coming, and you can avoid everything he wants to avoid and still make the dictator pay. I don't know what liberals think about that, but I yeah. don't think you can allow the use of WMD to go unreviewed. And for people who don't know that story, this is new today, an apparent Syrian gas attack, chemical weapons back, uh, 100 people or more 
dead and, of course, many others extremely sick. Anne-Marie, same uh, big question, making America great again or how much making it something else? Big picture. (laughs) I appreciated Hughes um, splitting the difference and saying that it's making America active. I think that that there is a place where he and I can agree. Um, America, it's not boring. Um, Not something I'd want on the currency or anything, though. Um, Kind of the opposite. Uh, (laughs) um, I, I think that Hugh has... I'm not surprised at what Hugh found good about um, Trump's first 75 days. I think that a lot of conservatives, traditional conservatives, people who still call themselves conservatives, um, uh, are probably most happy with uh, judicial nominations that that Trump has done. I'm guessing there's probably even more that Hugh's not happy with. That long list that you read at the beginning of executive orders sort of rolling back various pieces of the Obama administration, uh, you can take exception with using executive orders to do things. Um, I also think you can take exception with executive orders to undo them. And I don't think there's a single voter in America that asked for privacy rights to be rolled back. You know, like I think there's some argument that some of the things that Trump has done with executive orders are following through on campaign promises to the extent he has a mandate, which is, you know, questionable. Um, uh, but he's been, you know, uh, just not letting, <laughs> um, you know, not letting anything slow him down. So what in, was in that about with the privacy rights this week? Why does he want to let Internet service providers gather more and sell more of our data? Well, that was an exercise of the Congressional Review Act. And for the listeners who don't understand, the law was passed in 1996 that said, any let any regulation that issues from an outgoing administration in its last 60 legislative days may be reversed by simple majorities not subject to the filibuster. And a whole host of those regulations have been put on the table and are being methodically reduced, not so much for their content as for the fact they are believed to have been rushed through in order to serve special interests. In this instance, uh, I'm not a specialist on the Internet, but I, my privacy wasn't endangered any more than it was uh, uh, six months ago. These are late-in-the-day regulations by a lame-duck administration across a whole host of grounds. So I don't think of it as Internet privacy. I think of it as, as making sure that we do not have uh, agency rulemaking that are really laws in the last six, in the last six months of an administration. Anything more on that from you, Anna-Marie? Uh, no, I mean, I, again, like, I, I feel like this is sort of an interesting moment for conservatives uh, because, I, I, it, you know, Trump's one legislative play, one big legislative play in the past 75 days was this very ill-begotten health care act. And he's been doing everything else via executive order. And, and I, I get that these are, you know, I mean, he's doing it within the boundaries of the law. And I, I think that he is following through on this somewhat absurd promise to, like, just eliminate regulations, just not really seeming to pay a lot of attention to what, which regulations are which, or we're not getting any any information about that. Um, But it's just sort of this wholesale, like regulations bad, you know? Um, I know, I know there's more to it. There is our, there are arguments, but it just doesn't seem to be making a lot of sense or to be paced or explained in any way that is intelligible to the American people. Like I said, what what kind of confuses me about this is that I just don't know who he's acting on behalf of. Um, and I don't know if we're ever you know, going to really yeah. know. It's not a very right. transparent administration. All right. Indivisible listeners, if you voted for Donald Trump, how happy so far? 
how much buyer's remorse so far. Later in, in the hour, we'll take calls from people who didn't vote for Trump. Uh, but we'll start with Fred in Scott County, Iowa. Fred, you're on Indivisible. Thank you so much for calling. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Good. How you doing? You voted for Trump, right? I, I did, you know, and I, I'm i kind of somewhere in the middle. Like, I, I'm not happy with, with everything about him, but I'm not you know, disappointed completely either, you know, like I was telling your producer, I, I I just wish he was a little bit more polished maybe, a little bit more refined. I mean the 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 early morning, late night tweets, you know, that's sometimes that's a little ridiculous, but his policies, you know, I uh I don't think they're they're all that bad, you know. Uh, one thing in particular that stands out that I would like to mention is you were mentioning at the beginning of the show for example, he just changed the rules of engagement with the military. Yes. And you had mentioned that, you know, uh, the rules of engagement during Obama were, were implemented to protect civilians and whatnot. But what, what you're failing to mention is that, yeah, it protected civilians maybe over there, but it put our military at risk. And I know this uh, not firsthand, but secondhand, because family members of mine were in battles live fire battles and were injured and saw their friends essentially mm-hmm. shot in front of them because the rules of engagement during Obama was that they could not shoot first. They had to basically ask questions first and then shoot. So they were basically sitting targets. And that's what the media fails to, to mention is that, well, we're, we're not putting our military first during Obama, but now we are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, of course, I understand liberal media, you have to mention, well, it, it's going to harm civilians. Well, maybe so, but you know what? That's that's the price of war, and unfortunately, that's what we got to pay. And I would rather pay with civilians who aren't Americans and who aren't in the military, as opposed to to our own, you know, friends and neighbors and family. Fred, you know? I, I hear you. Thank you very much for starting us off. Who else? Trump voters? How happy? How much buyers remorse? It is eight four four seven four five talk. 844-745-8255, 844-745-TALK. And Paul in Ocean County, New Jersey. Hi, Paul, you're on Indivisible. Hi there. Thank you for having me on. How happy, how much buyer's remorse? Well, I, I wouldn't say quite buyer's remorse just yet. Um, I, I, let me just tell you a little bit about um, where I'm coming from. I consider myself to be very conservative, um, you know, a strict constitutionalist in, in, in the, the truest sense. Um, I would, you know, favor smaller government. I, I would also favor, at the same time, the legislature taking the lead as far as our governance is concerned. I'm wary of big executive overreach, um, you know, uh, a, a lot of what's called the fourth branch of government, the administrative state. So a lot of these regulations being repealed uh, through the Congressional Review Act, that's very good. But I've, I've taken a lot of pause recently um, when I, in the latest healthcare battle specifically, when I saw the president use the bully pulpit to attack, you know, people like the members of the House Freedom Caucus, people mm-hmm. who are fighting for real conservative reforms in the Congress. Um, and I'm, you know, completely on their side. I would not back Trump over them in an instant. Um, and uh, him, him meeting Rand Paul over the weekend, I think that was a good, a good step. But he seems like... Uh, He's been really on Paul Ryan's side uh, throughout this, uh, you know, first bit of his tenure here. So I'm looking forward to him 
you know, butting heads with Congress a little bit more when it comes to the whole go along to get along um, crowd right. when the House leadership is concerned. Paul, thank you very much. Let's go right to Karen in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Hi, Karen. You're on Indivisible. Hi. Thanks for having me on. And you voted for Trump? Yes, I did. How happy? How much buyer's remorse? Um, no buyer's remorse yet. Uh, I keep, hear, I keep hearing this hesitancy in our call saying, yet. No buyer's remorse well, yet. Okay. Uh, keep in mind, it's very early in the game. It we is. haven't even reached 100 days. Correct. So I really, honestly, am, am very concerned about everyone, not just the media, but everyone, giving him a chance to show what he can do. He has made true on a lot of promises. He is moving in the right direction. I have concerns about health care reform. I have in the, concerns... In the same direction as the previous caller? Uh, yeah, yes. And I, I mean, my most immediate concern was their lack of reaction to the Syria incident. Uh-huh. But quite frankly, I do believe there will be a reaction. Um, I don't think it will be military, but he will say or do something. Uh, I don't think it'll be strong enough, unfortunately. Um, I think there needs to be a stronger tactic played there. There was not in the previous administration, and there needs to be one in the current administration. And, Karen, I'm going to leave it there for time, and I appreciate your call. Uh, so, Hugh Hewitt, there's there's a little sampling. You know, it's completely unscientific little sampling, but we're getting a sense of what some Trump voters like, what some Trump voters uh, don't like. I think that most Trump voters, I'm guessing, he has a 90% approval rating among people who voted for him. But it's slippery. It's slippery because he did not deliver health care, Obamacare repeal and reform. That's not really his fault. There is within the Freedom Caucus what I call the Area 51 sub-caucus, who believe in legislative flying saucers that will land out of nowhere and repeal the rules of the Senate or alter the terms of reconciliation uh, bills. And they are, uh, they are the Rand Paul people, the Justin Amash people, and I know some of them, some of them I'm very friendly with. But they frustrated the repeal and replace. Uh, in your list at the beginning, Brian, you mentioned that uh, one of the things he wanted to do was to uh, attack the pre-existing condition uh, ban on rating. Actually, what is proposed, uh, the most that was proposed, that was going to be left intact. He proposed to allow states to waive the essential benefits. And allegedly in the zombie bill, the one that still walks the night in the halls of Congress, he will allow for states to... Um, allow for rating based upon health, which is not a ban. You would still be obliged to issue, right. but you would issue at expensive levels. That's yeah. right. And that, you could, yeah, I was just yeah. going to say that's right. It's not technically, you know. Right. And I think that's how I framed it. They could charge people more based on pre-existing conditions, not just on age, as Obamacare has it. We will continue in a minute with Hugh Hewitt and Anna Marie Cox in your calls here on Indivisible. Indivisible is supported by Blue Apron, delivering gourmet recipes, pre-selected portions, and fresh ingredients to customers' doors. More at blueapron.com slash indivisible. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. 
In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Indivisible. The number to call is 844-745-TALK. That's 844-745-8255. Brian Lehrer with you on Indivisible tonight as we continue on Tuesdays to go down some of the norms that President Donald Trump continues to challenge. At the top of the hour, we listed so many from just the last week. Just to recap a little bit, if you're just joining us, he withdrew Obama-era protections for women in the workplace. He signed a bill repealing some internet privacy protections. He relaxed the rules of combat engagement that were intended to protect civilians in Somalia. He sent Jared Kushner, not the Secretary of State, to Iraq for a meeting on how else to fight ISIS. He rolled back Obama-era clean air standards. He met with and praised Egypt's military dictator, President al-Sisi. Remember, he wouldn't even shake Angela Merkel's hand when he met with her. That's a big change in norms, and there are others. So we're asking for a few more minutes, Trump voters, are you happy with these norms that he's breaking? Do you have buyer's remorse? Somebody has buyer's remorse because he's down in the polls to uh, 35, 40 percent, depending on what poll you're looking at. So lower than the percentage of the voting population who um, voted for Donald Trump. Uh, so give us a call. 844-745-TALK. 844-745-TALK. And um, then we'll take calls from those of you who didn't vote for Donald Trump coming up in a little bit with Anna Marie Cox, host of the podcast with Friends Like These, senior political correspondent for MTV News and contributor to the New York Times Magazine, and Hugh Hewitt, host of The Hugh Hewitt Show, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time on Salem radio stations and author of The Fourth Way, The Conservative Playbook for a Lasting GOP Majority. Anna Marie, I see that you tweeted today about Trump pulling back those Obama-era protections for women workers. What did he actually do there? I don't think too many people heard that story. Oh, actually, I am going to have to defer to you a little bit because I was writing all day today oh. and I may have retweeted something, but I, I was probably just like, oh, interesting. Um, so truth in advertising. I, I do want to comment on something that you mentioned, though. Um, sure. Which is about sending Jared Kushner to Iraq, Go. Um, which is now like the seventh or eighth thing that apparently, you know, Jared is in charge of. Um, and it's it, just reading the list of things that he is uh, delegated to, to Jared Kushner is uh, almost a hilarious exercise in and of itself. It's it's, you know, the opioid crisis, streamlining government, peace in the Middle East, um, apparently fighting ISIS. Um I have many opinions about this, but I'm going to put aside any uh, judgments I have about his qualifications or fitness for those particular jobs and just point out something uh, that I, I don't hear a lot of people talking about, which is the real one of the many problems here isn't just like whether he's qualified or whether there's conflict of interest um, or whether or not this is nepotism. It's that since it is nepotism, since he is related to the president, there's no way he can fail, meaning not meaning that he can't literally fail. I mean, all of those things could go horribly wrong. But what would be the consequences if they did? He can't be fired. 
You know, he's going to be married to Ivanka no matter what. And Trump has already decided in his, you know, none, uh, you know, Trump does not ever admit he's wrong. I don't think he would ever admit that that Jared Kushner is not the right person for the job. He, so fired, think, he fired Michael Flynn when he felt he had a reason. <laughs> it wouldn't be so easy for him to fire Jared Kushner. And also remember, he, he still continues to step, stick up for, for Mike Flynn. Um, he, he at the press conference afterwards, he defended Michael Flynn. Um, he seems to have actually not actually been that into firing Flynn even. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the I, I fear for the country um, at the consequences of, of Jared making a mistake. I think he will be just fine. And that's the problem. Let me get a couple more callers in here. Aaron in Williston, North Dakota, you're on Indivisible. Hi, Aaron. Hi, how's it going? Good. Voted for Trump? Yes, sir. How happy, how and much I, buyer's remorse? You know, I have very little buyer's remorse. I think uh, the only the only concern I have, I mean, listen to that last caller, I mean, definitely Kushner, I feel like there's a lack of transparency as far as not only his qualification, but what he's contributing. But the only other issue I have is his repealing of the Dodd-Frank Act. I feel like that's one of the one of the better things that came about from the Obama era, and I don't really understand everything that he's repealing. Uh-huh. Well, that's uh, just, uh, well, I they mean, haven't even gotten people. to that one yet, but that's just a campaign promise at this point. But they'll they'll want to roll that back. So you're, you've got concerns about that. Um, you told our screener you're happy he's putting our interests and values first, anti-globalism. Yes. I, I feel like globalism is probably the worst thing to have in this country since it's been alive. I mean, I feel like globalism, I mean, going the way that Obama and Hillary were going, it would be the end of our country, ultimately, because of a lack of borders, a lack of our, of our own economy. Uh-huh. I feel like that would that would destroy us. So you like the trade stuff and you like the immigration stuff? Yes, sir. I think I think those are necessity to have a to have a solid country. How about the foreign policy stuff? If you're focused on it at all, I've, I've mentioned a few times that Trump met with Al Sisi, the strongman leader of Egypt, who President Obama would not meet with, and. Trump lavished praised on, on him while he wouldn't even shake Angela Merkel's hand during their tense joint appearance last month. This alone changes what America stands for in the world in a profound way. If we're just going to say, we're with any dictator who's with us, we're not trying to be the beacon on the hill for human rights, as Reagan or somebody might have said. Does that bother you? Uh, no, and actually, I, I, I'm not familiar with the Egyptian deal, but I am familiar with what, what he did with Merkel, and, I, and Merkel was critical of him, and, and what Merkel's policies are in Germany aren't, I mean, I feel like would represent Obama and Hillary era, but not Trump era, and I feel like that's, I think it's fantastic you refuse to shake her hand, and I really enjoy seeing him get along with Putin, because I, I, I have a lot of respect for Putin, what he's done in Russia. He, he rebuilt Russia from nothing. He also ended freedom of the press freedom of That's speech, he kills political enemies. Do you care about that? Would you mind if Trump became like that? No, I, I, I don't want a tyrant. But I feel like, and I, and I do feel like with all the executive orders, that he is becoming somewhat of a tyrant. But, I, but there's not any other way to get things done. And I don't think it's just Trump. I think Trump's symptomatic of what, what our country's become. Aaron, thank you very much for your call. Now we're going to clear the board. And after having heard from some Trump voters, now if you did not vote for Donald Trump, give us your take on how he has changed the country in the first 75 days, for better or for worse. From your perspective, non-Trump voters, you hear it on the phones. 
Trump voters are not very dissuaded. If you think what's going on regarding Russia, if you think what's going on regarding his kind of cozy, uncozy relationship with the truth, uh, any of these things, this is not dissuading a lot of Trump voters. We hear this on the phone from their support for him in general. So non-Trump voters now, you get a voice, 844-745-TALK, 844-745-8255, 844-745-TALK. Don't talk about anything from the campaign. Talk about what he's done as president. What are the worst things if you're a Trump detractor? Is there anything that he's done that you like? 844-745-TALK. If you do not, did not vote for Donald Trump, how is he doing on day 75? Um, um, Hugh Hewitt, how about you You on the LCC thing, uh, suspending human rights conditions for selling uh, weapons to Bahrain? Um, this is, you know, the end of American exceptionalism in the way conservatives have defined it, isn't it? Well, well we disagree, Brian, although I must say that you are much nicer to your callers than I am to mine. <laughs> the, last, the last caller's uh, incoherent rant about Putin. Putin is a killer, as Dick Cheney <laughs> says. He's a KGB colonel, and, and we should want nothing to do with him other than what we have to do with him because he's a major world figure and we have to deal with major world figures. I don't want a reset button. I don't want any of that. I'm disappointed not with meeting with Sisi. I'm very happy with that. What's been happening in the Middle East is a realignment so that Israel, the Saudis, and the Egyptians are actually aligned against the world's greatest threat to peace, Iran. And they are, Iran is aligned with Russia and Syria, and we have Saudis, Egyptians, and Americans, and Israelis all on one side, on Team A, and Donald Trump may want to try a rapprochement with Russia in the way that Nixon did a visit to China, but he was very clear Mao was still a killer. Uh, we can have mutual interests with Russia, but we should not downplay the fact that Putin is, as you pointed out, uh, Brian, a merciless murderer of journalists and innocent people, and we have to be very clear about that. On the downside, what he did not do in his new budget, there is not one new ship in his budget. He promised a 350-ship Navy, which is the prerequisite to rebuilding America in the world, and there is not one new ship. We're still at 282 ships, and there is no plan to get there. So he did disappoint every hawk But he in is. I, I thought he's building up military spending by like $54 billion and cutting so much from other discretionary spending. So it's not the military buildup that you it's anticipated? Not even close. He, he did about half of what was necessary to do, and he did not embark. He got us back up to Gates' readiness levels that were supposed to have been four years ago killed by the sequester. So it's better than Secretary Clinton would have been, but it's not nearly enough. And he made a very explicit promise at the Philadelphia shipyard of a 350-ship Navy. And Mick Mulvaney, who was a deficit hawk, way very anti-military spending, uh, actually played a, played a little trick on the hawks and maybe on Secretary Mattis, we may not be used to budget games, but there's no way we get there with this budget. It was a, a definite breaking of a promise that, that uh, foreign policy realists and hawks are upset with. All right, we're going to get back to Anna Marie in a minute after we take our first non-Trump voter call on how he's doing. And Joan in Wellesley, Massachusetts, you're on Indivisible. Hi, Joan. Hi. Um, I'm concerned um, about the, the um, Trump policies that are um, increasing our, uh, the availability of fossil fuels and damage to our environment. And I, I feel that he's bowing to um, or just 
giving away things to his billionaire friends who want who who own big corporations that that use fossil fuels. So they want to make more profits. Joan, th- thank you very much. Let's go to Guy in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Hi, Guy. You're on Indivisible. Yeah, this is Godfrey from Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Hey there. And uh, my primary issue today, which not many people focus on it, but I have been focused on it for many years. I've worked in the power industry. His idea of leading the United States, which is, you know, a world leader into more coal and more fossil fuel, is asinine and dangerous. And uh, personally, I feel that the... We can't be pace setters if we're going backwards, okay? And uh, the danger to the third world and people that are susceptible to uh, consequences of climate change are going to be devastated. And lastly, I'd like to add one thing that people aren't too aware of. If we discuss climate change, we have to consider the fact that we've only been here for a microsecond of this, this this planet's history, <laughs> and to, to think that we have changed the, the climate in the short time we've been on this planet is terrible. Uh, Guy, thank you. Or I, uh, um, I think I got your name wrong. Say your name again. Yeah, I'm Godfrey. Godfrey, I apologize. Thank you very much. And Eric in, is it Kenosha, Wisconsin? Kenosha, Wisconsin? Eric from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Hi, Eric. So Hi. a non-Trump uh, voter, what's the worst of it to you? Uh, I, I guess the worst of it is probably his, his failure to really jump into dealing with Korea, North Korea. Uh, he said a few things the other day about how he's going to deal with it with or without China. But um, I, 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 I don't understand the the, uh, the bulliness of his behavior. He, he, he needs to work with China to get this done. And telling him he's going to do it, he's saying he's going to do it with or without China, I don't think advances his cause. I mean, maybe it's a great negotiating technique, he thinks, but... Is there anything you like that he's done? Well, I think he has raised issues. I mean, I, I, I believe that it's important to protect our borders. I'm not in favor of how he's going about it. Obama certainly deported a lot of people, and I think it's important for people to realize it's important to, to protect our borders, but not to, not to make blanket statements taking um, good, productive, non-criminal people who mm-hmm. have been here for a long time and scaring them and making them think uh, they're all going to be taken away, which, you know, one, he's not going to be able to do that. That's not going to even happen. And why he's talking about things that he's never really going to be able to do. Uh-huh. Uh, and, Eric, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you, by the way. By the, uh, thank you. And, and, by the way, being from Wisconsin, you might be even more interested than uh, other listeners to know that Speaker of the House Paul Ryan is going to be our guest on Indivisible tomorrow night with our Wednesday night host, Charlie Sykes. Anna Marie and Hugh, can I ask you both, how's democracy holding up on day 75? <laughs> Anna Marie, when, when we established this Tuesday night series as being about norms, one of the big things we had in mind was not just that Trump likes authoritarian leaders, such as Putin, it was that he wanted to be like Vladimir Putin, and he immediately went after the institutions of democracy like media and the courts, not to mention that he had encouraged Russia in the campaign to hack Hillary Clinton's private email server. So day 75, how's democracy holding up, according to you? I feel on that on day 75, we're okay. <laughs> um, 
I think that the institutions are holding, which is what they're supposed to do. Um, the courts are functioning um, in a check and Congress is functioning as a check. And I think we have seen, um, I don't want to use the word resistance because that's become a little freighted, um, but I think you are seeing in the everyday sort of uh, running of government um, feedback to Trump about what And unfortunately, your phone um, is starting to break up, which means it's Hugh's turn. Hugh, how's no, democracy but, holding up? And how, how concerned were you as a Trump voter um, that he might actually weaken the institutions of democracy given how he campaigned? I am not at all worried about that. Uh, I spent quite a lot of time. I, I had a very bumpy relationship with Trump, as as you know, Brian. We talked about it up and down, up and down. Right. But he's never said or raised a word against the constitutional norms. He just uh, governs with an unusual language that I don't think is the key of we that the country needs. But democracy is doing fine. I, I like the Senate investigation. I thought when Senator Burr and Senator Warner had their joint press conference. It was for first and perhaps the only bipartisan moment of the last two years. And I welcome that investigation. Russia's attack on us was real and sustained. Their capabilities are ferocious, and we have to get ready for their next deployment in our next election cycle. And we have to be more on guard across the board. Uh, I will say, I think it's a little bit overwrought. Everything is a little bit overwrought. I think uh, yeah. everyone's got a, a, a general going to DEFCON 5, if that's the right number. I think 5 is the the lowest. Maybe DEFCON 1 is the highest. I don't know. I we, get it wrong. I'm a civilian. We got a DEFCON but, 5 reference in here. We got an Area 51 reference. <laughs> uh, Anna Marie, take our last 45 seconds here. Um, I don't know how much of me, what, what you heard I said last time, but I guess, you know, you and I are in another area of agreement. This is really uh, boring for people, maybe, because I, I think we're doing okay. I mean, I'm more on the, the side of panicking until proven otherwise. But um, the institutions are holding up. Um, people in the institutions are providing the kind of resistance. And again, resistance is a freighted word, but I think, I think it's okay to use here um, to what Trump tries to do. And the people themselves, the people in the streets um, and writing letters and making calls are participating in the democracy right. in the way that they can. I want to thank Anna Marie Cox. And Hugh Hewitt, listen to their podcast and radio shows, buy Hugh's book, read Anna Marie in the New York Times Magazine. Thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Check your Thank local you, Brian. Check your local listings you. for Hugh's morning show and uh, Anna Marie's podcast, Friends Like These. When we continue in a minute, we will launch an out-of-our-bubbles interactive experiment for Indivisible's final 25 days with David Isay from StoryCorps and you. Stay tuned. Indivisible is supported by Blue Apron, delivering gourmet recipes, pre-selected portions, and fresh ingredients to customers' doors. More at blueapron.com slash indivisible. This is Indivisible. The number to call is 844-745-TALK. That's 844-745-8255. And I'm Brian Lehrer on Indivisible, this national call-in show for the first 100 days of the Trump administration. Today is Day 75. 
and we head into the fourth quarter of this politics and community building project. Remember that one of the main points of Indivisible is to help our country that has been so bitterly divided by the election and is plagued by a polarized media at least have a place where people can listen to each other and understand a little better what Americans not like ourselves, whoever we are, are experiencing that leads us to very different political passions. That's why we've been taking calls every Tuesday from people who voted for Trump and people who didn't vote for Trump. And we know that politics in the last year has caused tension in families. It's contributed to some divorces. How many of you have defriended people on Facebook because you couldn't stand their politics? All those things. So for these last weeks of Indivisible, we are delighted to be partnering with the great Dave Isay and StoryCorps, which specializes, if you don't know it, in facilitating open, non-confrontational, one-on-one conversations. Usually it's family members and other loved ones who do StoryCorps interviews together, and they're personal, not at all political. For this project, though, we're inviting you to talk to someone whose politics are different from yours, who you would like to get closer to by having a conversation. We'll talk to Dave Isay himself shortly, but here's an example that StoryCorps has already produced. This is 29-year-old Jen Stanley of Chicago, politically liberal, and her father, Peter, who lives in Boston and is more conservative. Here is three minutes of their StoryCorps conversation intended to help them reconcile. I try to not bring up politics, but you always watch the 5 o'clock news and the minute any politician steps on, it doesn't matter who it is. I just cringe. and Me too. Yeah, but you have to say something, whereas I would like to just pretend it's not happening. But maybe the answer is we don't watch the news when you're there. <laughs> maybe. But now I feel like we've gotten to this point where we're together and we're fighting about politics. And those would be the times when I hear you say, I can't even talk to you, Dad. And if you're going to get so angry and flip out about it, then you know what? I'd rather you didn't talk to me. But see, this is what drives me crazy, though. You start these conversations. Well, I, I ask questions. What do you think about this? And what do you think about that? It's me trying to glean information from somebody who is significantly more educated than I am and whose opinions I trust. I'm really surprised to hear you say that. I I, I had no idea that you were genuinely interested in what I had to say. I thought that you (laughs) wanted to tell me how I was wrong and also make a joke about how I was silly. Uh, Well, I would never feel that way about you. I have nothing but respect for you. I don't agree with you all the time. I don't agree with you most of the time, but that's okay. We have a lot of things in common, and I do know that everything you did when you were a little kid was because you wanted to be like me. You even played softball, which you hated because I love baseball. I did really hate it. I I mean, I just really worshipped you, Dad. I just thought that like everything that you thought and said was right, Mm -hmm. and you were just my best friend. But I think as I got older, I realized that you were really wrong about a lot of things. Well, you're probably right, Jen. I never professed to be right about everything. The important thing in our relationship is that you have your own beliefs and that I respect you for your beliefs. You were raised to be a sensitive, caring person, and that's exactly who you are. You say that, Mm -hmm. and I feel loved, but I will say... I think you used to like me, and I don't necessarily know that you like me anymore. Oh, yeah, I like you a lot. It doesn't make me feel good that you say that. I don't agree with everything you say you do, 
But do I like you? Yeah, you bet I do. And I'm extremely proud of you. You know, when my time comes uh, to say, yeah, my father was a good man. We didn't agree politically, but uh, he was a good man. And if you can say that, then I'll be happy. I don't think that you're right all the time, but I think you're the best man. Well, thanks. And you're the best dad. Jen and Peter Stanley in their StoryCorps conversation. And with me now is David Isay, the founder of StoryCorps. Hi, Dave. Our worlds intersect. Welcome to Indivisible. Hi, Brian. It's great to be here. And Jen Stanley from that excerpt is with us, too, for a couple of minutes. Jen, thanks so much for a little time. Thank you for having me. And for doing that. It took courage, didn't it? In some ways, but I think my dad and I have a special relationship, and you, you know, I'm from like a big Italian family. Like, we're not afraid of arguing with each other. You know, I think we're pretty open, and he knows how I feel about things. So, so Dave, you want to tell us a little more about the context of Jen and Peter and what you're trying to accomplish by bringing our political divide into StoryCorps? Sure. Well, hi, hi, Jen. Um, hi, Dave. Hi. So this is Jen did really the first of its kind uh, interview that I'm aware of at StoryCorps. And, you know, on your show, local show in New York, uh, uh, Brian Lehrer's show, 14 years ago, we launched StoryCorps. So it was we did a proof of, of concept here. Before we had a booth in Grand Central Terminal, um, we came on the air and we started talking about this idea and we had people volunteer to test it. And now, you know, 400,000 participants later, largest collection of human voices ever gathered. We're trying something a little bit new. As you said, you you know, our country is so bitterly divided, and those uh, 400,000 people who've participated to a person other than really Jen and a couple of other people have um, have um, come because they, they want to talk about their, their love for each other. And I guess in Jen's case, that, that, that's true as well, but not about not about divisions in their lives. So we thought we would we, – we're trying an experiment, um, starting with you, to get people who um, – who are um, in conflict over politics or don't know each other and, or, and are on opposite sides of the divide to have a conversation at StoryCorps. And what we know about StoryCorps is that, um, you know, these are recorded for the Library of Congress so people kind of bring their best selves into, um, into the project. So we think and believe that maybe we can, um, you know, find a way to uh, bring us just a couple steps closer to each other. So we just have a few minutes for a phone-in related to this for week one, and then we'll continue it on Tuesday nights for the next three weeks. We're going to open the phones right now for you on the question, who in your own life, who you now have political differences with, would you like to have a conversation with, and what would you like to ask them? Who in your own life, who you now have political differences with, maybe you always did, but maybe exacerbated because of the election, would you like to have a conversation with, and what would you like to ask them? Call us at 844-745-TALK. You don't have to have the conversation now. We don't have your mother or your brother or your former best friend secretly on the line to spring on you. We just think it'll be helpful to other listeners to hear that you're going through something like this, too. So hypothetically, if conditions were right, listeners, who in your own life, who you now have political differences with or worse political differences with, would you like to have a conversation with, and what would you like to ask them? Call us at 844-745-TALK, 
844-745-TALK. And I hope we get both Trump voters, non-Trump voters, and others calling in because I think so many people on all sides politically are having these issues. 844-745-TALK, 844-745-8255. Jen Stanley, let me come back to you for for just a minute. Why, Why did you take part in that? And ultimately, how was it for you? Um, I took part, um, full disclosure, I was a per diem facilitator at StoryCorps before I did this interview and had not been at StoryCorps for over a year before uh-huh. I did this interview. So I was very familiar with StoryCorps. Um, my dad and I talk about politics a lot, and it it is difficult to have these conversations with him. But I wanted to get him in a space, or I thought it would be useful to get him in a space where we had somebody else there, you know, somebody who's going to be facilitating the conversation, where we could maybe listen to each other in a way that is difficult to listen to each other in, a, in the heat of an argument. Re-listening to the interview, I, like recognizing my dad say, and that's usually when you flip out, you know, it's kind of infuriating in some ways to listen to that just because when it makes it sound like I can't have a political conversation with him, uh, he pulls me into a conversation, asks me what I think, and doesn't even let me get through a full sentence before mm. he tells me that mm-hmm. I'm wrong, you know? I, so so I the, structured, the structured conversation helped you to communicate? I think it helped both of us listen to each other, yeah, which to, I think is the most important thing. Jen, yeah. Jen Stanley, thank you for joining us for a Thanks, few minutes. We, we really appreciate it. Now, listeners, while your calls are coming in to tell us who in your life or what kind of a stranger you would like to have a conversation with, here are more details about what we're going to do with this on Indivisible over the next few weeks and how you can participate after tonight. We're inviting you to volunteer to interview someone in your own life with whom you disagree politically. StoryCorps will help you record the interview, and you might even come on the air to talk about it. Could be a friend, family member, coworker, anyone in your own life with a pretty different political point of view that you would like to understand better, or if you became estranged somewhat or fully, if you want to rebuild your relationship. And here's how to take part. Um, if you want to do this, just interview, uh, just email, I should say, listen at StoryCorps. And, of course, that's C-O-R-P-S, core. Listen at storycore.net with the subject line, Indivisible Interview, describing who you want to talk to and why and what you'd like to ask them. Listen at storycore.net. And if you don't have someone in your immediate circle, friends, family, or otherwise, with a different political point of view who you'd like to have a dialogue with, we still want to hear from you. StoryCorps will also be setting up a recorded StoryCorps conversation, not a debate, we promise, with a stranger who's your political opposite. And I think some of you might find that an interesting experience. So again, just email listen at storycorps.net with the subject line indivisible interview and describe who you think is your political opposite. StoryCorps will try to match you up and facilitate a conversation. Uh, so, Dave, in our remaining few minutes, you want to listen to some fantasy conversations from some of our callers? Let's do it. And see who who they already know or what kind of stranger they might like to have an interaction with. Edward in Boonville, Indiana. Edward, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Who would you like to talk to and what would you like to ask them? Well, I'd really like to have a conversation with my mother. Um, you know, 
little background. I'm a native New Yorker. I grew up in the city with her, of course, as a single mom, a pretty progressive lady at the time. You know, we had copies of the New Yorker in the house and the Times. And at what point, you know, especially because Trump has been on my radar since day one, and hers as well, at what point, I'd like to just ask, how can you subscribe to his position and his views, which are really authoritarian mm-hmm. in nature and selfish? How, how, how can you? You want to ask her, how can you, basically? Edward, thank you for starting us off. I'm going to leave it brief. And let's go to Kyle in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hi, Kyle. You're on Indivisible. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Who would you like to talk to? I would like to talk to my father. Um, I'm, I consider myself independent and leaning more towards Democrat. My father's pretty conservative. And I'd like to ask him why he feels the way he does about certain things, um, you know, gun freedoms, about immigration, especially being in North Carolina, <clears throat> the House Bill 2 that was enacted last year that was sort of repealed last week, and just why he feels the way mm-hmm. he does about those. We've never been able to talk because it always turns into a shouting match, and neither one of us hears the other's point. Kyle, thank you very much. So you think that people like Kyle, people like the last caller, too, uh, can have better conversations with their own parents in the StoryCorps format? I do. I mean, I think, as I said, these go to the Library of Congress. People are aware that their great, 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 great grandkids are going to hear it. And they're going to be there. You know, they're going to they're going to turn to their better angels when they do this. I mean, I think, you know, that that the key to this is, you know, their ground rules. It's it's about, you know, there's no raising your voice. Um, there's no rolling your eyes. There's no interrupting. This is this isn't about agreeing. It's about um, remembering that there's a human being inside that person who who you disagree with. Um, uh, so I, I, it's, it's, it's about listening, and, and listening isn't about being quiet. It's about being present and engaged and curious, and this does take courage. But for those of us who are concerned that there is a real threat to this country and this divide, the fact that we are moving so much farther away from each other and want to see if we can take a step towards each other, you know, join us. This is, you know, this is an experiment. We need your help to figure this out. Let's do one or two more, then we're going to run out of time. CUNY in Atlanta, you're on Indivisible. Hi. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to say that if I could talk to somebody, I would want it to be my coworker. Um, it's the strangest thing because we're the same age. We have similar situations. Both of us are married. We both have two kids. We work for the same company. And so economically, we're very similar. But he is very, very conservative, and I am not. Okay, I'm more leaning more independent with a little bit of a Democratic lean. And we don't get along in terms of politics at all. So we had a lot of <laughs> juicy conversations during mm-hmm. election time. Well, 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 why do you to- think you could have a different conversation than you have? I think because there was a lot of emotion to it when we were in the election cycle. Um, You know, he was very, very adamant about, I don't like Hillary. You know, she she needs to go to jail. You know, Mm -hmm. she's not honest. And I think ultimately, ultimately, we need to get past that and just talk about just the facts, not make it about Hillary, but make it about the politics Mm -hmm. itself. Kenny, thank you very much for calling us from Atlanta. Dave, you have 30 seconds to give one example of one StoryCorps interviewing technique that helps get people in the right space. Can you do that? 
Well, I, I think it's about I think it's just about uh, not as as the caller just said not not arguing with each other, and you don't even have to talk about politics. You can just talk about your lives. You know, questions like, can you tell me about? A moment in your life that shaped your political views, or are there ways you feel misunderstood? Because those will be the first, the other first questions, right? And you Absolutely. provide people a question yes, template, we'll pro- and and we have an app, so it's possible to record interviews and and with one tap upload them to the Library of Congress. So I have every you know what we've seen from facilitators in these hundreds of thousands of interviews is the fundamental goodness of people, and I think we're going to find this again when we get people across the divides talking and so, most importantly listening to each other. So as we wrap up, here's the invitation again: we're inviting you to volunteer to interview someone in your own life with whom you disagree politically or a stranger. StoryCorps will help you record the interview, and you might even come on the air to talk about it. That's optional. Could be a friend, a family member, a co-worker like our last caller, anyone in your own life with a radically different political point of view or even somewhat different that you'd like to understand better or if you want to rebuild a frayed relationship. And again, here's how to take part. Just email listen at storycore.net with the subject line indivisible interview describing who you want to talk to and why and what you'd want to ask them. And again, if you don't have someone in your immediate circle, um, StoryCorps will also be setting up recorded StoryCorps conversations, not debates, we promise, with a stranger who's politically different from you if you'd like to play sort of politics roulette and see who you draw. Again, email listen at storycore.net with the subject line indivisible interview and describe who you think is your political opposite or what kind of person if it's not a specific person you have in mind and StoryCorps will try to match you up and facilitate a conversation. Dave, I say talk to you next week. Thanks so much for partnering with us. This is so exciting. Thanks, Brian. I'm really excited about this as well. And listeners, another special Indivisible tomorrow night when our Wednesday night host, Charlie Sykes, interviews Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. I'm Brian Lehrer. Talk to you next Tuesday on Indivisible. Support for Indivisible is provided in part by Emerson Collective, the Ford Foundation, and the Jacob and Valeria Langloth Foundation. If you like the Indivisible podcast, rate and review it and tell your friends. And thanks for listening.